Hey Guru Nation, welcome to episode 433 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this video, we're actually, uh, or in this episode, it's actually from our virtual video hangout for Guru Nation, which if you want to be, we do it every month, if you want to be uh, attending the next one, you want to subscribe to the blog theclinicaltrialsguru.com to get the email notifications of when the next one will be. But this one was a lot of uh, site-focused stuff. The people who happened to have been on were primarily site owners or people running sites or people working at sites. So a lot of site-heavy stuff, particularly business development and how to run your clinic and different things like that, just random questions from people. So hopefully you find something of value here. If you need help getting studies for your site, text me 949-415-6256. Also in the show notes, we have links to the blog. So again, you wanna subscribe to the blog, theclinicaltrialsguru.com. Put your email in there to get notified of not just these virtual hangouts, but also webinars that we do every month. Uh, But we also in the show notes have CRA Academy, CRC Academy. We have links to the book. Uh, links to the Patreon channel, which is how to improve your opportunities using social media for only five bucks a month. Uh, so check all those out. Enjoy this episode from Guru Nation Virtual Video Hangout uh, for clinical research sites and opportunities. Take care. We had our biggest. Uh We had our biggest CRA Academy ever uh, this quarter, like August, that's starting tomorrow. And then we have a CRC Academy launching. In September. That Monica's running. September 24th. So we got about a month. Something. About a month (laughs) for this next CRC Academy, which now, what's the announcement, Monica? We're offering internship, remote internship, even for CRC Academy. So that's good. A lot of exciting stuff here. We've been keeping busy with the pandemics. We're waiting for a doctor to come in, which is why I'm here meeting with a new doctor. And uh, how's everybody else doing? What's going on? What's new on your end? And what what's on your mind? What's top of mind right now for you guys? Hi everyone, this is Judy. Judy. Hi Judy. Greetings. Judy, now that you're here, please remind me to send you two uh two more two um you say two weeks for two studies. Okay, okay. All right. Send you an email. Judy, we still we still gotta work on that Yuma. I haven't forgot. And I know you haven't either, but (laughs) <laughs> we got to do something there. There's yeah. something there. It doesn't have to be psych. Let's try like general medicine. Yeah. Yeah. And we could grow um, into psych later. Yeah, definitely. There's there's potential out there. <laughs> if look, here's my th- way of here's my strategy. General medicine's easier to start with out there. As long as we are there and establishing mm-hmm. ourselves, eventually a psychiatrist will move into town. The town's growing. Like a lot of California people are moving to Arizona. So the town's growing. There's going to be a psychiatrist, a new psychiatrist setting up shop soon. And then we'll already be there. And then we can reach out to them. So I think we just start with general medicine. 
I think it'll be easier to get a general medicine doctor because there's more of them out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like this. People are muting each other. This is good. I like we don't have to no, mute to anybody. see you, Jesslyn. Jesslyn, how's it going? <laughs> nice to see you. I can't hear you, but nice to see you. Always nice to see you, Jesslyn. I heard you on the uh, I heard you on the note to file podcast. Very good. I listened. Yes, that was an amazing podcast. Y'all have to watch and follow. Not just that, but all of it. It's really insightful. Yeah, Brad is a good guy. I don't know if he's on this, but Brad is Brad is a good dude. How's everyone else doing? What are you guys up to? What's been going on? What are you building? What are you working on? Or what are you just like thinking about? Uh. Or any anything. Nope, just trying to stay busy, trying to get up and running again. <laughs> you're, you're so you're. Uh, how's your site doing though? You're getting new studies. Um. So yeah, we have actually uh, several that we we are starting and we got selected for. So that's not the issue. It's not the studies. It's more just actually getting started with the patient, trying to get them in the office. They don't want to come in the office. How can we get them seen? I don't know. We're trying to figure all that out. <laughs> uh -huh. mm -hmm. Possibly doing home visits, but I don't know. That's another challenge. <laughs> we were talking about but when, yeah. when is Is it because the patients are not comfortable going in still? No, it's, yeah, so it's a lot of that. Um, they were kind of iffy about coming into the office, but now on top of it, now we have all the kids that are starting to go back in school, but they're doing remote learning. So they're at home logging in to do school. So they can't come to the office until like way later in the afternoon. And sometimes oh. that's not feasible for anybody. That gotcha. And then they got to sometimes be fasting for their blood draws yeah. and all that stuff. Yep. So now yeah. we're running into that challenge, but then we have the sponsors protocols that maybe they're flexible, but not for the screening and baseline visits. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sponsors should be more flexible during a pandemic. I think. Right. I mean, and sorry, my, my daughter's joining the call, by the way. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Future <laughs> researcher right there. Future yes, PI. That's the future. She's been to my office. I take her to my office. Actually, Hey, <laughs> if we wait long enough, we get a PI in Yuma right there. There get you go. Doctor. <laughs> She's already in training. She's already like in training. Guitar <laughs> <laughs> We're good. <laughs> that's awesome. It's a family affair. Yes, yeah, it is. <laughs> that's a, it's some actually. So I got in because my dad was in research, and I was trying to go to mm -hmm. med school, and then I just never left the research. Like that's, mm -hmm. you know, it was meant to be like a temporary thing, and it yeah. became very permanent. Yeah, I was pre med too, and then I act. I kind of found this research assistant job very part time in college, and it was like this whole new world that opened up that I didn't even know existed because we never learned that in, in college. Like you don't learn this other side of research and maybe oh. now you do, but when I went, you no, you I don't learn anything in college. Nope. Mm -mm. Yeah. <laughs> we could get on another tangent there, but I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> I won't touch that subject. <laughs> LinkedIn post to not touch that one. No, this is really interesting though. So, um, I mean, how do most of you get in like, you know, get any type of academic credentials. Because I notice a lot of people have certificates in clinical research or something of that nature. Um, is this all like, uh, I mean, like I'm kind of new in the space. I've been working in business yeah. development roles for a while, but uh, I'm, you know, just curious because I've been looking at the background and how people tend to 
you know, tend to kind of just like put their, put together their, uh, their career path. Um, and so I'm curious, like who has like formal credentials for clinical research and, you know, who's kind of just self-taught. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still not formally credentialed by anyone. Uh, there's only really <laughs> two that matter. It's uh, ACRP and SOCRA. And the only reason they matter is because the whole industry kind of adopted it as, you know, the benchmark because they've been around so long. But there's no reason why it can't be like CRA Academy or CRC Academy. I mean, there's no such thing. Nobody really cares about credentials. Uh, they care about your experience and what studies you've worked on. And really, the only credential is like, are you an MD to be a PI? And if you're doing certain assessments, like you need a master's degree maybe, or a PhD for certain assessment yeah. or an MD. Uh, but as far as like research credentials, like I have people emailing me all the time, hey, you know, I'm considering a master's in clinical research because I think it's gonna help me be a CRA. And I'm like, you know, that's gonna cost you like 80 grand and maybe two or three years time. I don't think that's the best way to go about it. I mean, it's not going to guarantee just because you get a master's in clinical research. It just means that, you know, GCP really well. It doesn't mean, you know, how to, you're going to know how to monitor, coordinate or do anything. You know, it just means that you've memorized GCP and maybe understand, like wrote some papers on, I don't know, like something about GCP, but it really means nothing. It, we actually like, had in, this, in the CRC Academy three students that had a master's in research. And they were just like, this is totally, completely different thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, I mean, but you know what? Some sponsors prefer, like, if you have two equal candidates, which is almost impossible to do, but let's say you have two candidates that are very similar, and one has a master's in clinical research, and one maybe just has a bachelor's of science, and they're close to equal, uh, they'll probably go with the master's of clinical research, just because if they were ever to get audited by FDA, you know, the FDA could look at the at the CVs of the staff and argue, well, why did you hire this person? Even though bachelor is perfectly okay to, for a CRA, but on paper, it looks better. But how many times are you going to be in a situation where you are against someone and you guys end up being like identical? It's almost never happens, you know, and oftentimes the person with the bachelor's is much better, interviews much better does much better uh, as far as like the experience they have on paper compared to the person who has a master's in research. So I think it's like 80 grand for that. I don't, I think it's, I wouldn't say a waste of money, but it's definitely an expensive way to go about getting into the industry. And at the end of the day, you're still going to be in the same situation as somebody who doesn't have that. Yeah, I think it depends what you're trying to do with it, too, because, for example, like in my situation, you know, I run the research center. I'm a certified clinical research coordinator through ACRP for already, I think, like 10 years or 12 years. Um, and I'm actually going back. Uh, I just started my master's program in advanced studies in clinical research because I personally want to know the other side of clinical research. So we're learning about the whole stats, how studies are designed, stuff like that. Because in the future, yeah. if I ever decide that I want to do something else in research, maybe the whole site thing, I get tired. I don't know, you know, 10 years from now, I want to have that to fall back on. And now I know both sides of it and I can right. pretty much get any job that I want. 
So yeah, that's different. That's a different situation because yeah. you're already in, you're already established. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to break in. You're yeah. using it to kind of be a, like a stepping stone to the other side, like mm-hmm. becoming more of a generalist, basically. Right. That's okay. And that's expensive, right? That's not cheap. Um, you know, I'm doing a two-year program through UCSD, and it, it was a hybrid program. It just started in the summer, so right now everything's online. Um, and two years, I think it's going to be like thirty-five grand. So it's not too bad oh, compared not that to bad. Okay. a lot of these other programs. Yeah. Some of these programs are like double that. They're like sixty yeah. or eighty grand. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. And you're already in the industry. So mm-hmm. it's different. It's different once you're already in and you're just trying to advance your career or like you're doing, you're just trying to use it as insurance for, you know, sometime down the road. Right. Yeah. But I do have to say most of the people in the program that I'm in, most of them are doctors, new doctors, fellows, um, the all a bunch of them that want to get into clinical research. And I guess they're getting this degree. Um, wow. Yeah, and most of them, I think, from San Diego or you gotta sell Diego. your you you gotta go sell your your colleagues and like yeah. sell sell so hard until you get kicked out of the class. <laughs> you gotta go get all those doctors to join you. Mm-hmm. Wow, well, that's an interesting point because Judy, you just mentioned that um, you're looking for physicians in the Yuma area. I'd imagine mm-hmm. like you're networking you know, like just the peers that you're working with, the potential people you could, like other doctors that within your program would be a great source of right. leads for that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. And I actually thought about that at the beginning when the first day everybody had to introduce themselves and I was like, wow, there's a bunch of doctors on in this program. I should reach out to them. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you currently um, utilizing in, like for, for PI recruitment? For myself, my site. Um, oh, yeah. I'm yeah, for, honestly. For your, uh, it's your future oh, site. Um, so, well, for example, I'm trying to actually get more doctors for our Imperial County site to grow. Mm-hmm. And literally, I'm calling offices to talk to a manager to leave a message. I'm emailing the offices. If I can find the, e- doc- the email for the doctor, I will email them personally. I've used my PI mm-hmm. to see who he has a good relationship with to reach out to them yeah. and then use him as, you know, like, oh, I'm reaching out on behalf of Dr. Ng and so forth. So I'm trying every single method I can get to get and pre- pretty much out of like 10 that I reach out to, maybe one or two might be interested. So I'm actually meeting with a doctor next week who um, one of my marketing persons reached out to and he was very interested. So it's pretty much like cold calling, I guess. <laughs> oh. Well, congratulations on the meeting. I felt like this is something yeah. I find is so amusing is like the office managers are so used to just having people call in for sell financial services or, you know, real estate or whatever it might happen to be that it's like, like even me, like I've recruited two PIs and uh, I still like send notes to the, like to the, um, you know, to the, uh, uh, to them through the office manager email and I get it ignored too, even though they mm-hmm. know me already. So it's yeah. uh, it's a rather interesting thing. I couldn't uh, like, it's such a pain to just go from scratch. I know it's to, like, I feel know, like I'm just, I know, but you know what actually worked. And now that you brought that up, I, when I've done the email and I've called them and I still don't get like an, a response, I go find them on LinkedIn and I actually was successful mm-hmm. with an office manager of a clinic in Brawley. I found her on LinkedIn. She responded and she actually told me she preferred to communicate via LinkedIn or email instead of telephone. And, and I was able to get like a update from her. 
on that. So yeah, I guess different methods work for different people. <laughs> okay. Cheesy, sorry, oh. interruption again. <laughs> don't forget, don't forget about your sphere of influence. You know, I just got uh, one of my doctors. Uh, I just got him to want to be a PI for one of my sites. And it wasn't until like the third time that I saw him that I started talking to the staff and we started talking about the different options that he's looking at, like what he's trying to do. So sometimes like your own, like the, the doctor's treating you, if, it, if not them, they often have colleagues who might be interested. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to go too. Like literally just sign him up last week. Uh, he's in the middle of uh, like finalizing the contract with us and he's moving his entire one of, like, he wanted to expand in San Bernardino so he's moving his whole practice out there for uh, at least one day a week. And, uh, it was because I asked, you know, I just asked him, hey, what, what are you planning to do? I mean, it'd be weird to do that on your first visit with your doctor in your sphere of influence. But after you get to know them for a while, it would be a good time to just mm -hmm. have this conversation. Because they get sold all the time by people, too. And sometimes you'll get, I've done this more often than not, I've been shut down, but not rude just hey no i'm not interested in that and that's fine mm -hmm. but eventually you find someone that's like oh that is interesting like how do we do this and then you get you know you go down that rabbit hole of what clinical research actually is and monica was saying that like right now a lot of these doctors are less like in their offices they're way less capacity than pre-covid mm -hmm. and so you know they're looking for different ways to monetize from their office space Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we talked about that in a webinar last month, uh, but doc physicians' offices are not, uh, you know, going at 100% capacity right now. They are really limited as far as the patients they're allowing to come in. So, you know, it's it's got to affect the bottom line to some extent. And I think reaching out regarding research like we were going to do mm -hmm. is a good way to go about it. Yeah, especially yeah, doctor, if, there's one coming right now. I think, <laughs> as you mentioned, yeah. if they're slow, and you can propose maybe starting with seeing patients one day a week, try it out using their space, and see how it goes from there. Mm -hmm. um, that's a yeah. I actually, our marketing person, she's actually reached out to a few doctors um, when she's gone for doctor visits herself, or she's taking her son for a doctor visit, and actually have another meeting with a doctor next week who's a pediatrician. That that's how she got a hold of her and, and she's interested in research too. So different methods work if you have someone that is working under you that goes to a doctor. I mean, have them ask. It doesn't hurt. Like Dan said, all they can say is yes or no and that's it. <laughs> I mean, it's sim sometimes it's just uh, simple. You know, it's just a matter of doing it. Repetition. You can't really care about being told no, like mm -hmm. being rejected. It's yeah. just, a, it really is a numbers game. Like whether you're looking for a PI, getting studies, looking to get hired in the industry, people want all these fancy like formulas. It's not really, I mean, there's tactics you can use that are that vary, but at the end of the day, it's just give it enough effort and eventually it will work. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you'll be surprised how many doctors don't really know much about research. They don't even know there's research going on in the area in the same city. 
In my case, that happens all the time. Doctors didn't even realize. We've been working on research studies for 13 years. So a lot of them aren't really aware of research if they've never yeah. worked in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, are you partnered? Judy, I forgot to ask you. Do you? Uh, I have a COVID study. They're looking for a Southern California site. I'm actually going to be the monitor. But you need to use like a hospital. Do you? Mm -hmm. Are you connected with any that can do a COVID um, so our doctor is might be connected to one of the local hospitals. I think um, he might be a contractor for them soon. They reached out to him. Um, okay. But I don't know if we could run that study because that same hospital is affiliated with UCSD. And apparently I heard they're actually going to start working on COVID-19 trials pretty soon. So it's probably not yeah. the great idea. I think I would let them focus on that. <laughs> as much as I would like to drive to... El Centro every four weeks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, that would be. I w they're looking for one Southern California site for that, and it will be the only site in the whole country doing this study. Oh wow! But is it is it like my uh, mo moderate to severe? Uh, uh, patients have to be hospitalized with COVID nineteen um, mm. pneumonia, and mm. uh, but it's a twelve week study. So whenever they're discharged from the hospital, it becomes outpatient. But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, they have, like, to get in the study, they have to be hospitalized. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I've been trying, so, yeah, I've been busy with that. But, yeah, I mean, uh, it, things have been good, you know. How, where's Angel? Angel Moses, I see you on here. I tried calling mm -hmm. you this morning. Thank you for coming on. He's a CRA Academy student. I see you, Angel. How's it going? Did you get my message? I also see Angel Moses. I see Ravi, too. Ravi, you got the link. You're good, right? Is that you, Ravi? <laughs> How's it going? Hey. I think you guys are all muted. Somebody muted Hello? you guys. Hello? Testing, testing. Testing, testing. One, two, three. Yeah. Mic check. One, two. So that wasn't the doctor? No. Oh, we're waiting on a doctor. As we speak, we're waiting on a doctor um, who happened to have been referred to us to want to do research. So that, that's what I was telling Judy. Um, you know, if, we're, if you establish yourself and you're in a community long enough, eventually, once in a while, you'll get like a passive referral. Like, hey, I noticed you have a clinic. I have a doctor friend who wants to be a PI, but right now they want to be a sub-I. And sure, we'll take them in, you know, but uh, it doesn't happen when, unfortunately, it doesn't happen when you're starting out. It happens once you're somewhat established, like have a web presence, maybe start building your brand on LinkedIn. Then people start knowing, okay, this guy, Dan, he does research. When they start associating like anything research, I want them to send them to me, like whoever they're, they're thinking of. So that's like brand. And if you have a clinic, you're going to build a brand at some point. And things start coming passively at a certain point, uh, but still not enough. Like the passive activity is still not enough to sustain a business, but it's nice to have. It's like if you own a 7-Eleven and people just start coming in because it's there, you know, uh, kind of like that. But 
who else who else is on angel i see you on i tried to call you <clears throat> today he's a cra academy student welcome aboard we gave our first C uh, our cra academy scholarship last night at midnight uh, to a very deserving hey, person Dan. hello ravi who's talking ravi ravi you got the link uh yeah yeah it's me ravi so uh meeting my question like uh, uh how good are the opportunities in canada canada's tough okay canada this is in our cra academy we give a half off to anyone from canada all right canada is tough job market but the opportunities are there it's just it takes longer it takes longer and it's more it's more around like academic based research than industry sponsor but there still is industry sponsor research but it's definitely more academic focused research but you need to be networking. There's people on LinkedIn. Okay. There's this lady I interviewed, Gabriella Kraus. If you haven't networked with yep. Gabriella Kraus, you need to. She's a CRA from Toronto. Okay. And she's okay. so like, really talk to anybody out there. I'll, I'll send you that. the video of what I did with her. In Canada, it's so important to network. In yep. the United States, you right. could probably get away with not networking. In Canada and in Europe, and in Latin America, to land a research job, you got to network. Okay. You got to do a lot of network. Thank you. Okay. So do it. Do you know like, Gabriella Kraus? Another question. Uh, not yet. I haven't seen her like uh, do it in the evening. Uh, go to my YouTube channel and put CRA Mother's Day, or Mother, Mother okay, CRA sure. Mother. Okay. And she might be your neighbor. Who if knows? I want to get into the ad, <laughs> okay. also I'm planning to like the degree. So I think I can go US or the Canada would be the best option. Wait, say it again. So I get a degree to get into the I want a PhD. Wait. I want to D. Well, you're bre you're breaking up. I hear you want to get a Hello, degree. Yeah, yeah. Say it again. Say it again. Yeah, I yeah PhD. Yeah, uh, I want to get a PhD. Oh, PhD. Uh, doing this course. Yeah. Uh, chat. I'm having a hard time hearing. Just chat your question, because I understand PhD. And yeah, something about PhD in United States versus in Canada, which is a better avenue to get a PhD degree. That's what I'm hearing. Ah, whichever one's cheaper and gonna, you know, like if you can get in Canada, I mean, PhD is PhD when it comes to research. So it's not like an MD where you need to be licensed in that state, right? Uh, it's not even country, it's state. So PhD is more like a master's, uh, unless you're going to be a PhD clinician. Like if you're going to be a, like a therapist and you want to practice in the United States, you should get your PhD in the United States. But if it's just for education, I don't think it matters where you get your PhD, if it's Canada or United States.
And I'm assuming it'll be much cheaper in Canada, but I could be wrong. I'm assuming, but you know what they say about assuming. <laughs> How come I can't hear anybody? What's going on? <laughs> oh, now I can hear. Well, I need a new computer. I need a fancy one like Monica's. I had okay. this one with you. <laughs> this thing is like not, not so good. <laughs> you want to use this one? Uh, it's too late now. We're going to end the meeting and switch. Everybody's going to get logged off, but it's good. Can you guys hear okay? Yeah, I can hear well. Okay. Yeah, I can hear. Angel, I see you on here. I'm glad you're on, no matter what. Uh, for some reason, you're probably working or something. Well, we have how many other CRA Academy students do we have on here right now? We're starting our new weekly academy this Saturday, so we have a bunch of new students. Nice. Welcome. We gave a scholarship to a very deserving person from Virginia last night at midnight. So I'm always excited about that. And I just interviewed a bunch of our students that are starting to get hired. And you got to start interviewing the CRC students too. Or we should do it together. We should interview them together. Okay. What else is going on, guys? Like, uh, what, what do you guys have going on study-wise, career-wise, getting PIs? By the way, getting PIs should not be just limited to sites because if you if you get good at talking to doctors and you want to break into the industry, every clinic is going to accept you to intern there. Wow, if you tell that's them, actually like, a good idea. I know it's yes. a good idea. It's a fantastic idea. <laughs> it's actually a great idea. Yeah, you get like become a sales rep for yourself. Like I talk to, not me, but if I were looking for a job, I would say, hey, I'm I can go to clinicians and talk to them about research and I'll work for you for free if I can get some experience on my resume um, as my compensation. And yeah, just, I mean, cold call, like Judy was saying, talk to your own doctor when you go for an appointment, make an appointment, just a regular checkup if you need to, you know, if you need an excuse to go see your doctor, but and then go out to the community like LinkedIn. You yep. can even run some ads on LinkedIn. Uh, that's a good way to break into the industry. I've been telling people this for a while, not just patients. You can get good at patient recruitment too, but physician recruitment, clinician, not just physician, clinician. So you can go to a nurse practitioner. You can go to a physician assistant. Every clinic, every research clinic in your area needs these people. You can actually do the Google... Uh, Geofence. Geofence. Lee, Lee was telling us about this. Where's Lee? Lee's like the geofencing expert. You'll, you'll geofence like with the precision of a waiting room. Uh, yeah, you can geofence down to like, I don't know, 30 feet. Definitely within 100 feet. 100 feet? Yeah, 100 feet. Mm -hmm. It depends where you go through. Some limited at like 300. Yeah. It's technology, so there's some play in it. Wow. It's pretty accurate. I bet you geofencing would even work for doctors like on Instagram. I mean, if they're younger doctors, you know, like under 55, they're probably on Instagram too. 
and because that's their office, so you can geofence them and target doctors, like run an ad just for that medical building. We had talked about using it to start a teledoc service and then geofencing every urgent care and emergency room <laughs> targeted areas because we think we can pull patients that are waiting right out of waiting rooms. They could actually be seen by a teledoc doctor while they're sitting in the waiting room and they don't get seen before they're called back. There obviously be no charge. We thought it was a pretty good marketing plan to attack that, that sector of the market, but geo are um, Teledoc's pretty convoluted right now, and it's a lot of upfront capital. So we haven't pulled any triggers on that. Mm. But the plan's there, and I still think it's good from a marketing standpoint. Um, okay. Standpoint. Yeah. Do you have like a landing, like a squeeze page, or uh, just a regular website that they go to? I don't have anything. I would. I would on on that have a link from an app and or a uh, website or a landing page. Oh, they'll, okay. they'll click through on an ad that pops up and the ad pops up because they're in the, the Instagram. And do you geofence just on Instagram or do you geofence Facebook as well? And Google. And Google, okay. Go through the, in fact, you can geofence just about any service because you can go through the cell providers. Okay. Providers wow. will take and then whatever whatever they're accessing from their phone is what triggers it. And it's if you look into the marketing things that the things that they're doing with the technology because they can they can like tap into your phone and get your serial number. So most of these stores are like they, there's an identifier in your phone. So when you walk into a store a lot of these stores are actually tracking the path in which you walk through them. Um, wow. For their information, it's... Um, and you can, like, anyone can access this data if you're using the right tools through Facebook or Google? Like, they give you these tools? They're not Google or Facebook tools. They're outside of them through the, through the mobile providers. Oh, okay, okay. I don't do that myself. I outsource it. I have... Uh, I have a guy, but he won't, the guy that I've talked to him, the guy that I do most of my with won't do, won't touch medical. He won't touch anything medical. Oh, that's right. You were mentioning that last time. Okay. Well, there's alternate sources. He mm -hmm. just, he's really cheap. So it's like a thousand dollars or a hundred thousand impressions. And when you wow. got pointed impressions, that's, uh, that's like a penny, of, you know, a penny for everybody that sees it. That's pretty good return on your money. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a great way to target patients or physicians um, or clinicians. No? Yeah. He said no. On, he said no on patients. Um, but I haven't, I haven't talked to the company about um, physicians. Yet. Uh, that's something we're, we're discussing. Um, uh, actually, we're discussing it, but haven't haven't made any progress there. Yeah, we gotta we gotta. Um, geofencing is something that I have not done. I've only done once with uh, Snapchat, but uh, I think there's a lot there. I want to do it. Yeah, there's. You know, you can learn it or you can just like outsource it like Lee does. 
Maybe we'll and used it heavily about built the app in 2012. So about eight years ago. That's when I first started. Yeah. Doing it. I built an app that picked up location data on people and we geofenced locations for a different reason, not to market to them, but just to send information. So it was actually part of cold chain supplies. Um, I move, I do cold chain services for a pharmaceutical company, ship beefers and small trucks, um, uh, high end pharmaceuticals. And what we did was we geofenced their delivery location. So when a driver got within a mile or two, whatever parameter they set up, it would automatically send them alert that their shipment would be there so they could be ready um, to offload. Yeah, we got to, we got to, uh, definitely borrow from other industries when it comes to research. There's a few people doing that now, but I think it's, it's you know, it's not, a, it, it's just a matter of finding the right vendor and not necessarily the most expensive vendor, just someone who knows what they're doing. Um, but like that, they don't want to get into the patient recruitment aspect, but maybe the clinician. There's definitely people that handle geofencing that will do patients. Uh, I just, I haven't had time to search for them yet. And it hasn't been low on priority. I've got irons in the fire. Mm -hmm. I got a question for you. Have you ever thought about uh, somebody who's talking about start how they host events um, to, to gain patients? I can't remember who it was. Uh, I think it was on the last, uh, last Monica. On Facebook? Uh, well, no, not events on Facebook, but like a walk, like a charity walk, like a, a walk for ailment. Uh, to just oh, yeah, I have yeah. So depending on the study that you're looking patients for, I, I do look for the organizations that have events or have any uh, type of uh, um yeah, like walk or things, and uh, I just reach out to them. And have then, you, yes? Have you thought about starting a 501c3 organization that you could recruit and, you know, accept donations to donate to other research? Has anybody looked into that, or do you think there'd be any benefit? Wow, that sounds actually quite interesting. To, um, probably, I mean, it's very creative. <laughs> Well, I've got another company. I, I've started a 501c3 that that is part of a group organization. So we're, we're waiting on our, we've already filed, we're waiting for our status back. And then we've got to get a group exemption status. And what this 501c3, the, the main function of it is to offer that group exemption. So it becomes easy. People can set up a 501c3 in a day and then we charge them $4.99 a year. So it makes the 501c3 status extremely manageable allows you to take uh, tax-free donations. Tax-free donations give the money back out, but then you can be a 501c3 and operate legally with tax-exempt status for the right purposes for only four ninety nine dollars a year versus the like five, six grand it costs to set up a 501c3. So for a short-term organization, like if you wanted to, uh, if you had a Crohn's colitis study or going on, you you know, probably start a 501c3, accept donations on that. I'm just curious if anybody had any interest in that. It seems like there might be, because 501c3 status seems to offer you some legitimate legitimacy to your intent. 
when it's mm-hmm. when you appear as a not-for-profit, people listen more than as a resource type um, because they don't feel there's an ulterior motive. Yeah, you know, one of our business partners for this clinic actually does that. He has a 501c3. Um, I know there's a lot of strategies when it comes to doing that. And, and there's actually other clinics near us that operate as free clinics. And uh, they add a research arm for profit to the, um, so a separate entity that's sharing space with the nonprofit. And as long as you're getting donations, uh, you know, they're well connected with like some pharma, biotechs, hospitals in the area. So they have like ongoing relationships and it, it works for them because they have the network to be able to get studies and then they already have the patients. Uh, so it's really just a matter of training up the staff to do research coordinators and all that stuff. But the patients are already there. And oftentimes they're the underserved patients that pharma really wants to have in their studies. Anyone else have that kind of uh, experience? I know a few clinics around here that do that. Everybody going to be on the webinar Monday? Yes. It's going to be a good one. We're going to learn about soft skills. Soft skills. And then we're also going to learn about how to assess CRC uh, workload and PI workload uh, in research. If you're a site or if you're a monitor, how you can tell if a coordinator or a PI are overworked or if you're a site owner, how to tell if they're overworked, underworked, but also soft skills. So you got to learn how to persuade people. There's a good book called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Uh, you read it, right? Yeah. Really yeah. Good I mean, really good one. Geez, That's I need to read it again. Book. Phenomenal. Phenomenal book. Um, yeah. Mirroring is my, one of my I actually started doing that like what, at retail stores uh, where you're not supposed to ask for discounts. I remember that. Yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but you just mirror them and they're like, look at you weird. <laughs> Maybe next time we can geofence them with my same request. I can mirror a video, a geofence them. And say, hey, you should have given me that discount. You guys, now I'm going to be tagging you, tracking you. Anyone else? Anything else? Anything else you want to? We're going to go live on LinkedIn too soon. We're going to talk about CRC Academy. Uh, what do you want to say about CRC Academy? Because CRA Academy, full. We can't accommodate anymore. And it's no more for this year. This August class is it for 2020. We're starting again 2021. But CRC Academy, it's like uh, Vegas. It never turns off. It's always on. <laughs> so what What do you think? Uh, like, what do you want to tell them about this? Now we're offering an internship to remote internship yes. for CRCs. Mm-hmm. This uh, stage is yours. Well, for the CRC, I mean, like Dan says, is uh, we're, we're doing pretty much every month a new class. And it's been getting more popular than 
before. Mm -hmm. uh, we train the CRCs uh, from A to C. So we're making generalists. We're training people to be generalists so they can pretty much run the whole run, uh, the, the whole show. So if you have anybody interested, contact me. <laughs> generalists. And tell them about the story. This is like, we need to interview this person. The person who took the class and during COVID, all her oh, colleagues yeah. got laid off except her. Except her. Because yeah. she was she a was generalist. generalist. Can we interview yeah. her? Where is she? Yeah, she's actually in Oklahoma, if I'm not wrong. Is she real or are you just making that up? No. Okay, no. We, need, we need to interview her. <laughs> we need to interview she's her because people was, think we're making it up. She was actually um, in one of our first classes. And she, the, mm -hmm. the funny thing is that she won the, uh, you remember that we did a uh, contest uh, and the person who won this contest will get the, the um, how you say, the um, CRC Academy class for free. Oh, we did a scholarship there yeah, too. Yes, scholarship. Okay. So mm -hmm. she won that scholarship and she was the one that when everybody got laid off, she was the only one that didn't because she knew how to wow. run the clinic. That's a great ROI. All she had to do was some Instagram contest or a LinkedIn contest. Yeah. This is why you guys need to follow, subscribe, do anything you can. Tell friends. You guys who are on don't need this already. Most of you are already in the industry, but tell a friend. You know, help help them out. Lend lend a helping hand. Yes, so we, I actually put up an ad um, this week. We put an ad on the, on LinkedIn for the CRC Academy. And uh, we'll put it again. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn morning. now. Yeah. LinkedIn News. Here's who's hiring right now. Let's see. Let's. I wish I could share the screen with you guys. Instacart, McDonald's, Amazon, Albertson, CVS Health. Walmart, Dollar General, FedEx, Taco Bell, Ace, Lowe's, Dunkin' Donuts, Dollar Tree, Walgreens, Home Depot, Domino's, InstaWork, I don't even know what that is, 7-Eleven, Kroger, AutoZone, City. And what's not on this list is almost every single clinical research company. And They're all hiring. Has grown so much. They're all hiring, especially with these COVID studies. There's a COVID study, new COVID study every hour. I was looking yesterday the studies and I was surprised that I saw that just in United States, there are 1,408 studies for pain. Pain? For pain. Just United States alone. Hmm. Like hmm. It, I was surprised. We I need mean, to talk to that doctor. Most the, of one, the one, the pain doctor, you know, the one yeah. I'm talking to you about. We need to go find him. So most of these studies are from universities and this stuff, but a lot of our private studies too. And I was impressed how many studies on pain United States has. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that was general, pain in general. So. All right, guys. If there's no other questions, comments, uh, anything, we will end this um, virtual hangout. And I look forward to everybody. Have a good weekend. It's Friday. And uh, Monday is our webinar. So I look forward to our webinar where it's obviously a lot more formal.
with the slides and things like that. Um, but yeah, have a good weekend. And as always, let us know if we can help. And at some time in the next hour, maybe half an hour, me and Monica will go live on LinkedIn really quick. Nice. Just, just really quick before Monica has to go. <laughs> We haven't been live on LinkedIn in a while. Have a good weekend. Bye. Weekend. Thank Bye. you, guys. Have a good weekend, all right? Thanks, y'all. Have a good weekend, y'all. Bye-bye. Bye. So, hey, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. Again, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you leave a review if you could be so kind, please. Uh, and also go to the clinicaltrialsguru.com if you're interested in learning more about who I am, who some of my guests are. Uh, you can have access to some of my YouTube videos. Uh, I do a lot of videos about clinical research. So go to the clinicaltrialsguru.com and you can also call or text me anytime, 949-415-6256. Also follow me on any social media platform. It's Dan Svera. And you can also... Email me if you'd like, dan at theclinicaltrialsguru.com. Thank you very much.